Welcome to our neighbors this morning. Um, as we mentioned, we're going to be starting a new series. And so as we do that, I'm just going to take a minute to point out a couple of things. Um, if, you're, if it's your first time with us, then this will help you get oriented. And if uh, you've been coming for a while, um, maybe, it'll, maybe we'll put words to something that you've noticed and you weren't sure quite why. why. So the first thing, um, we've decided that as we gather together on Sunday mornings, we really want Jesus to be the center. We want him to be the focus of what we're doing. And so as we've done that, we've made the choice not to do announcements on Sunday mornings. Well, then how do you know? How do you keep up with what's going on? Um, the answer is uh, a weekly email that we send out. It's called the Gazette. And uh, it's really brief. I try to keep it really brief because I don't like reading email. Um, and so if you don't get that yet, um, then you can subscribe there at Ocala Neighborhood Church slash Gazette. I don't think that's going to stay, is it? Um, you, can, you can subscribe to that. Or uh, if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, then... Um, Part of the email is a video, so you'll get a recap through that. So if, you, if you're like, they never talk about what's going on. Well, we, we choose not to on a Sunday morning. But we are communicating. It's usually through email. Um, and there's something else. Uh, if you have a bulletin, and I left mine over there. If you've got a bulletin this morning, um, on the back of that bulletin, there's a little QR code. Um, and it's just, it's got a, uh, if you point your phone at that, it'll take you to uh, kind of a web app. It's not a real app. It's kind of a fake app. Um, but it is an app um, that you can connect with us. You can find direct links to our website and to the Gazette that way. Um, and so that's there on your bulletin. Or if you're connecting with us online, um, that is when you click the check-in link. That'll take you to the exact same app that everybody has access to here together. Um, and so as we're beginning, we're starting a new series. Can you put me on the sermon slides? Is that where I'm at now? Um, as we are, yeah, that's good. Thanks. Um, as we are beginning a new series, I just would like to point out to you um, that we're going to be going into some kind of difficult territory. Um, here at Neighborhood Church, we trust the Bible, and we try to use that as our primary guide for life, because that's the way that God communicates with us most directly. And this series is actually going to tackle some really challenging uh, passages in scripture. And if you're new to that kind of thing, um, if you're a little bit uncomfortable with talking about prophecy and four-headed beasts, which I understand, I also am uncomfortable, um, then I just encourage you as we're beginning this new series today, it's a great starting point, but go ahead and commit to, to hear me out. <laughs> so I can't say everything that I want to say in, you know, 20, 30, 45 minutes, um, and so uh, we're going to be doing this over the next four weeks. So just purpose in your heart, commit to connecting with us over the next four weeks. We're going to be going through this series and, and see if, even if it doesn't make sense the first run, as we go through this, um, it starts to make a little bit more sense to you, okay? So that's all the announcements that I care to do for another couple of months. Um, there is a question that uh, I think we wrestle with. Well, let me pause. I didn't say good morning to you. Good morning, church. Good morning! I'm glad to be together with you. There is a question that I think people, whether you are connected to the church and you've been in church for a long time, or whether you are skeptical of the church, skeptical of God, you're not even sure what all this stuff is, there's a question that we have in common. And it sounds something like this. If God is actually in control... Why does it seem like everything in the whole wide world is in absolute chaos? Either God is not strong enough to uh, fix everything that's wrong in the world, or he doesn't actually care enough about us to do it. 
If he has the power and doesn't do it, doesn't that mean that he doesn't care? And there's a dilemma that, that, that comes up. And actually, um, if you haven't spent much time in the scripture, this is something that biblical writers wrestle with quite frequently. We read together in Psalm 13, where the, the psalmist asks, how long, O Lord? He's, he's saying, look, I'm, I'm looking at the world. I'm looking at what's going on in my life. And God, like, I, tr- I thought that you were good. I thought that you cared about me. Why is it taking you so long to do something? How long, O Lord? So on a human level, that is something that we wrestle with. We also see, this is a, a little bit of a shocker to me, we also see the angels ask the exact same question of God. The angels also are watching God's work in the world, and they have the same question. God, what is it that you're doing, and how long until you finish this? Like, how long are you until you set everything right? We see that in the end of the book of Daniel. In the closing chapters of Daniel, uh, in, ch- in chapter 12, there's an angelic figure that straight up asks God, Hey, are you done yet? How long is this going to take? Um, And so I hope that that's somewhat of an encouragement to you if you have wrestled with that question, that humans wrestle with it, angels wrestle with it, and our purpose here over the next four weeks is to begin to wrestle with that as well. Um, But we're super going to need God's help to do that, right? So if you would pause together with me as we begin um, and pray with me the disciples' prayer. Um, This isn't a magic spell, this isn't an incantation, this uh, isn't going to bring you good luck, but this is the model of prayer that Jesus left for his disciples, and I think it's important for us to uh, be shaped by that as we speak to him. Um, And as we do this together, as we pray together, it's helpful for us to use the same words, otherwise we're mumbling over each other. So that's why I put it on the screen if you're not familiar with it, Um, and I'd encourage you to pray together with me. Uh, You may pray out loud, or at the very least, would you bow your hearts together with me, and let's pray as we begin. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In order to wrestle with this question, how long, we're going to look at a a section of scripture in the book of Daniel, which will sound somewhat familiar to you, the book of Daniel, and we're going to be in chapter 7. So if you want to navigate there uh, on your phone or somehow, if you're using these blue Bibles that are in the chairs in the room here, we're on page 935, 935, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 7. And to begin, I'm just going to give you one verse. So we're going to start in Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to read one verse, and then I'll give you some more background and help us to get our bearings about where we are. Daniel 7, verse 1. In the, year of king Belsh- in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. That's, that's, we're going to pause there. So... We're beginning, uh, we're jumping back into the story of Daniel. So uh, that'll be familiar to you if you've been with us for a couple of uh, months. We did a series uh, a few, or started a couple months ago, called Faith Under Fire, 
where we looked at the first chap- or the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. And really, those first chapters give us a biography of Daniel and, and of some of his friends. And they had, uh, they, they had a world that was on fire. Uh, that's why we called the series Faith Under Fire. Um, they were uh, born into Israel. They were born into God's special people. And because Israel had sinned and continued to worship gods other than uh, Yahweh, God allowed a foreign nation, Babylon, to come in and take them over to capture um, all of the holy things in, in God's temple and to take those holy things and to take the people, particularly the youths, back to Babylon to be reeducated. So they got like a fancy boarding school. Um, but they were under attack. Like, they didn't want these Israeli boys to grow up thinking that they should worship Yahweh, so they gave them different names and tried to re-educate them in um, the school of thought, the way of thinking of the Babylonians. And so that, those first six chapters of Daniel's tracks Daniel's story as he's taken to a foreign land under hostile powers, and him and his friends have to stand up for what they believe in. They have to figure out what hills they're willing to die on, and they stand, and literally put their lives on the line. So as we looked at that, then we thought, well, what hills are we willing to die on? So we then talked about our values. (laughs) What are the things that are most important to us as a congregation and should be to us as believers? Um, So that's where we are. And now we're going back into the book of Daniel to finish that up. And in this first verse, we see, this is the first verse, or this is the first inclination that we get that when we look at the book of Daniel, the whole story, all 12 chapters, it's not in chronological order. So typically when you write a biography, you want to write it in chronological order. You want to put events in order of the things that happen. You, you want to talk about the fifth birthday before you talk about the second birthday, right? Typically, if you were going to write a, a biography, maybe. Maybe it's just me. That's what I would want to do. But when we get to chapter 7, it says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Well, King Belshazzar was king back in chapter 5, and he got killed by the end of chapter 5. So this is at the beginning of that. This is a couple years before what happened in chapter 5. So there's something that's happening. The person who put the book of Daniel together wanted to communicate there's a shift here. I've taken events out of order because there's something that I want to communicate to you. Okay? The shift is, I think, we go from Daniel being a guy who's really gifted at interpreting dreams. He hears the king's dream. Well, he doesn't even hear the king's dream. God tells him what the king's dream was and then gives him the interpretation. And then he's able to interpret other people's dreams throughout the rest of the story. Here is a shift where Daniel is no longer interpreting other people's dreams, but God is giving him dreams of himself, giving him dreams. So he goes from knowing that God is speaking through other people to now God's in his head, all right? Um, Which sounds like, oh, awesome. Like, that sounds like things are getting better for him. Uh, Let's read the dreams together. Uh, We're going to be in Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to begin reading in verse 2. And I'm going to read all the way down to verse 14. Um, Hang with me. I'm going to read a lot, but we're going to to start to break this apart, okay? I have a reason for why we're working through this, so um, hang with me. Daniel chapter 2, or Daniel chapter 7, beginning in verse 2. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold... The four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. 
And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four, or, is that right? Yeah, four wings, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots." And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands serve him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the, the horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed. And its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. All right. We feel like we got a grasp on that. Blessed be the reading of God's word. Um, how do we begin to tackle this? So as I was thinking through how, how to present this to you today, um, I thought, like, it's not helpful. It's not particularly helpful. I mean, it's kind of helpful. But it's not particularly helpful for you, for me to go through and explain to you everything that's in here. Um, because I won't always be with you. And my hope is that you will read the text by yourself. And so if you came to this passage, this is, this is my thought. If you came to this passage and you're reading uh, in your devotionals and you go, I got no idea. This is super creepy and there's stuff that I don't understand. There's critters with their wings getting cut off. Like, I don't get it. I, 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 want, you, I want to help give you some, some tools so that you can begin to wrap your head around what's going on here. Because I don't think this is outside of our comprehension. Um, we will not understand it uh, fully, completely, every detail. But I think we can comprehend uh, the point, the main point of what's going on, and what we should do because of it. And, and really, like, I think that's, that's helpful. So we, we have a dream. Um, and I'll tell you at the beginning, the way that this chapter is set up, we have the dream first. We just read the dream. Then, spoiler alert, there is an interpretation. The next section is an interpretation. So we've got a dream and we have an interpretation. That's helpful. Um, and then we have, a, uh, we have a conclusion. All right, so dream, 
Interpretation, conclusion. That's what's, that's what's here in chapter 7. Um, how would you begin to pull this apart if you were reading this by yourself? Here's your first key. As you're reading the text, you train your ear to hear what's repeated. As you're reading the text, train your ear, train your eye to hear what's being repeated. Um, we are a literate culture. We can read pretty well. And we're fortunate enough that we have the, 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 the scriptures translated in a language that all of us are familiar with in the room. We all have an English translation. Um, for much of scripture's life, the way that it was communicated, the primary way that it was communicated was verbally. It was communicated auditorily. So they would have the text, but it would be read by somebody, um, and, and the people who were interacting with the text would hear it. And, and I, I don't know how to tell you this if you haven't done it, but you hear things differently than you read them. Your eye can go straight through a page and think there's nothing here. But if you hear the text, you will hear, oh, he said that before. He keeps repeating this phrase. What, what's going on here? There, look for phrases that get repeated. And sometimes those phrases will give you uh, some hooks to hang things on, and sometimes those repeated phrases will give you the emphasis of what the text is. So sometimes it'll tell you this is what the point is, and sometimes it'll give you some order to what's going on. In this section, I don't know if you, if you noticed it, um, in this section, visions by night, and, and, and I saw in the night visions. Night visions is something that actually repeats uh, three times in the dream. Now, he said at the beginning, I had a dream and I wrote it down. So why does he need to tell you, well, I was dreaming at night, when I was dreaming at night, when I was dreaming at night. So is, is the emphasis, is the repetition, is that giving you the meaning of the text? Well, well no, it's just telling me that he was, he was dreaming at night. It, it's giving us a little bit of structure. So there's a little bit of structure to help us break this thing apart. I saw in the night visions. He gives us three sections um, to help us wrap our heads around this dream. Um, and I've given titles to these sections, even though he doesn't do it. The first section is there are successions stirred. The second is domination taken. And the third is dominion given. Successions stirred, domination taken, and dominion given. There's three sections here. So the first section in verses 2 through 6 is successions stirred. Um, the scene is a picture of earth. He opens in, in, in verse 2, I saw, in the night, or I saw in my vision by night, behold, four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four beasts came out of the sea different from one another. So he sees four beasts that all get stirred up. What is the thing that stirs them up? The wind, and where does the wind come from? Heaven. Yeah, th these aren't trick questions. Like, it's, it's right there. Four, or the four winds of heaven stir up the sea and bring forth these great beasts. So the picture is something on earth. There's something that's happening on earth, and there's these four beasts that succeed one another, but they are stirred up by heaven. So we can fixate on what's going on in the dream and what the different beasts are and what they mean, and, and we'll get a little bit of that, but, but don't miss the point of where they came from and who's in control. These successions, this, this constant changing that's coming on earth is something that's planned out by God. 
and it's stirred up by God. So the first section is uh, succession stirred. There are three unique beasts. One is lion-like, one is bear-like, and one is leopard-like, and they each secede one another. Okay. Cool, I guess. The second section is dominion taken. In, in verse 7, he repeats again, I saw in the night vision. So we're, we're coming into a different section. And this scene is of the earthly beast, but he doesn't have an animal that he can hang it on. The first one is kind of like a lion, but it's, it's a little bit different. This, this, the second one was kind of like a bear, but, but, but not exactly. The third one was, was kind of like a leopard, um, but there were some differences. The, the fourth beast, he's like, I, I, got no, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it was scary. It's unlike anything I've seen in the animal kingdom, and it's waging war against heaven. It's got a, and it's um, and God responds to it. Do you see that? As He's describing all of the desolation and the destruction that this fourth beast is causing on Earth, then He sees that the Ancient of Days, the Most High God, shows up and judges. And as he judges, that fourth beast is killed. Right? The fourth beast decimated everything else. Um, and then internal conflict in the fourth beast, because the fourth beast has ten horns, and the ten horns co have conflict, and one little horn comes up, and that little horn has a big mouth, and it also has eyes. Um, and, and God judges what's going on here and, and kills the beast um, Right? So that's the second section. I'm just talking you through what's going on here. Successions stirred. Domination, that fourth beast tried to destroy everything. Um, domination taken. And then dominion given in 13 and 14. This is the closing. The scene shifts to heaven's ultimate response. The Most High God appoints one like a son of man. While the fourth beast dominated by violence, dominion is given by the Most High to another kingdom that endures forever. All right? So that's, that's the dream. Uh, anybody, like, super excited about that? Or are we all kind of like, eh, maybe I should have slept in today? <laughs> um, let me just pause here and say, there is a school of thought that's going to encourage you to seek God in dreams and to seek signs from God. Um, I just would like to point out here um, that as Daniel is getting this dream, he actually has a long track record of walking with God. He has an intimate relationship with God. He's, his faith has been put under fire. He stood test after test. And so he has a long track record with God before God makes him, takes him from being an interpreter to being a dreamer himself. And we'll see with his response that he doesn't know what to do with this. So there are times where um, God may give us a dream about what's going to happen, and we don't know what to do with it. The, we, we, we begin to like press God more and more for like, well, can you give me some more? 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 And instead of focusing on what it is that he would have us do, we look for increasing, increasing revelation. Um, I, I just worked uh, at a, uh, a Bible college on Friday, and we talked through Judges, and I, I pointed out to them in, in the story of Gideon. Um, Gideon. We know the story of Gideon as putting a fleece out. He put a fleece out, and it was, it, the fleece was wet, and the ground was dry, and that was supposed to be a confirmation. That was supposed to be a sign that God was going to do with him, and then he thought about it for a minute. He's like, well, maybe a sheep peed on my fleece. Like, 
God, can you flip the sign? Can you make the, the fleece dry and, and the ground wet? And God did it. And even after that, Gideon still wasn't convinced. He had the sign met, changed the sign, that was met, and he still was not convinced. So I would just encourage you, as we're thinking through and looking at these dreams, um, will we seek God's clear word in ambiguous times? Don't look for signs and dreams and visions when he's given you text that tells you precisely who he is. Not that God can't work through those things because we're seeing in the text that he does. But if, if, why, would we, why would we ask God to say more when we haven't even read what he's already said? This frustrates us to no end when our significant other does this to us. Honey, I, brought, I bought you some roses. That's really nice, but I asked you to wash the dishes. Can you just do what I said before you do something really nice for me? Okay? So will we seek God's clear word in ambiguous times? We live in ambiguous times. There's lots of things that can distract us. As we're looking at these dreams, like I'm just going to encourage you to keep focused on the word. Um, and as we do that, I'm going to give you also the key principle, <laughs> the, the big idea for this whole thing. As we're looking at starting this series, we're asking how long, we're looking at this dream and we don't know what to do with it, where do we hang our hat? We lament evil's de devastation while we live in light of God's assured victory. We lament evil's devastation. He sees a lot of destruction going on in the world. And we lament evil's devastation. We're not happy that things are broken in the world. But as we look at things that are broken in the world, we live in light of God's assured victory, that he is setting up an eternal kingdom. Okay, so where do I get that from? Well, we actually have the interpretation of the dream. We've gone through the dream, we've chewed on it a little bit, um, and then the text gives us an interpretation. So let's read the interpretation together. Daniel chapter 7, beginning in verse 15. I'm going to read verses 15 through 27. i got to turn the page back. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious. Are, are you glad to know that it's not just you? And the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest. Exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet, and about the ten horns which were on his head, and the other horn that came up, and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth, and spoke great things, and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them, until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom." Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth which shall be different from all the kingdoms. It shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. 
and shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away and be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all, all dominions shall serve and obey him. I'll pause there. So Daniel's watching this vision. He's like, I don't get it. So... I'm pretty excited about that, because Daniel seems like a pretty upstanding guy. He's one of those guys in, in Scripture that they don't ever say anything bad about him, um, or anything that's, like, humanizing. I think this is the humanizing part of Daniel. He's like, I was anxious about this, and I didn't really get it, and so I asked the guy who was standing around. So he turns to an angel and says, hey, um, can you explain to me what's happening here? <laughs> uh, I don't really get it. Um, and he says in verses 15 through 18, he says, uh, we're talking about kingdoms on earth. He says, these four kingdoms are kingdoms on earth. These are governments that are going to occur in the world. Um, but notice that he says, in the final outcome, however, the saints of the Most High inherit the kingdom. Like, they inherit the, the, the established kingdom. Um, well, sure, but what about all that divine courtroom drama? So remember, God shows up, and there's a bunch of fire, and there's a bunch of burning. Like, what are we doing with that? What's going on there? What about the fourth beast? Um, so he describes the fourth beast, and he gives it its own kind of section. He says, this is going to be a, a kingdom that's not like anything else that's on the earth. And there's going to be ten rulers that come up out of that kingdom. And then there's going to be another one that comes up, that's, that comes after those. And he deposes three of the former rulers. So there's going to be a, a coalition of ten kings, ten, ten rulers. And then three of them are going to get ousted. And there's going to be one left. Right? But that one that's left, he's going to take over everything. And his whole goal is to, to, to lead the world away from the standards of the Most High. He sought to change the times and to change the law. He wanted to redefine terms. He wanted to call what's good evil and call what's evil good. And he spoke arrogantly against the Most High. So the Most High comes and he judges him and, and, and destroys him and gives the dominion to another. There's a couple of things that show up in this retelling, in this interpretation, that didn't show up in the dream. Did, did you notice that? Like, as we went through the dream, um, like, it seemed pretty concise, but there are details that show up in the interpretation that we didn't actually have descriptions of when we were talking about the dream. Um, I wonder if perhaps Daniel was so overwhelmed that he didn't pay attention to what the point was of the thing that he was seeing. Um, the new details are there, was, uh, there were claws of bronze and a little horn, this, this ruler that shows up and takes over, he made war with the saints and prevailed. In fact, the saints keep showing up. In fact, they show up three times. What, what, what are we supposed to do with like, words that are repeating? Should we like, be like, I don't know what to do with these, or should we ask a question about them? Uh, are these giving us structure? Are they giving us something to hang our hat on, or are they pointing us towards the point? The saints shall prevail. The saints shall prevail. The saints shall prevail. I'm tempted <laughs> to look at, like, I, can you even read that? You can't read that. That's disappointing. I'm sorry. 
it's, it's, it's tempting to look at the beasts and to focus our attention on the beasts. We've got a lion-like beast. We've got a bear-like beast. We've got a leopard-like beast. We've got a terrifying beast that's not like anything we've ever seen before. And then of the terrifying beast, there's ten horns plus one horn, which offs three horns. Like, and then we've got one that is like a son of man. Um, and interpreters will take this and line this up with the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had in Daniel chapter 2, which we've talked about years ago, or not years ago, it feels like years ago, weeks ago. Um, there's a head of gold, there's silver arms, there's a bronze middle, there's iron legs, there's iron and clay feet uh, that make up a statue. And then there's an uncut stone that shows up and starts to break apart the statue until the statue gets dissolved into dust. There's nothing left. So we can look at these two dreams and go, okay, we're looking at um, kingdoms on the earth. We're looking at the story of history before it unfolds. Before it unfolds. In fact, uh, scholars will look at the book of Daniel and they'll look at these interpret. They'll look at these dreams. They'll look at these prophecies and go, "This is a really accurate description." Especially if you make the lion-like beast and the head of gold, which Daniel says is Nebuchadnezzar, is the kingdom of Babylon. On the gates of Babylon, which they found, there's archaeological, like you can find the gates that used to go into the city of Babylon. They have a lion on the gates. And it has wings. Like, it's pretty clear that that's a symbol of Babylon. So if you start there, you've got Babylon. Um, and we know that Babylon was taken over by the Medes and the Persians. We saw that in Daniel chapter 5. The Medes and the Persians were taken over by the Greek Empire, which happened actually really, really quickly. And the Greek Empire ended up with, after Alexander the Great, being divided by, four, four, um, by his four generals. So we've got a leopard-like beast that moves really, really quickly and then has four heads. And then we've got this uh, terrifying beast, kind of like nothing we've ever seen before. Rome ruled the, the, uh, the known world at that time. And these ten horns, like, what do we do with that? I'm not sure. But we do have one like a son of man. And we do have a stone that's not cut by human hands, that comes in and rules over all, that decimates the kingdoms of the earth and sets up a new kingdom that reigns and endures forever, enduring fruit. We lament evil's devastation while we live in the light of God's assured victory. Even though God's reputation is slandered, even though God's people are abused and God's law is distorted, God promises that he's going to set up a new kingdom. The saints will rule, the saints will rule, the saints will rule. And again, I'll remind you um, that Daniel saw the dream and didn't write anything about the saints at all. And yet when the angel comes to tell him what the dreams mean, he says, you, you missed this. You missed this. And this was actually the key thing. So what is it that we're supposed to focus on in this? What draws our attention? Um, I think the, the courtroom <laughs> draws my attention. You've got all of these things that are churning on the earth, all of these kingdoms that are fighting, all of this destruction, and I'm nervous about that. Like, that, that gives me anxiety, too. And yet, the Ancient of Days comes and sits on a throne, and fire comes forth from him, and he issues his judgments. The Most High God, 
Kingdoms on earth rise and fall by his stirring and by his decree. If we were to reflect back on things that we studied in our Faith Under Fire series, we'd be reminded that God alone holds our future in his hands. And that in the end, it's the most high God who reigns over all. In this, in this throne room, God is central. He's holy, he's pure, he's powerful. He shares judgment. There are other thrones set up. He chooses to work on a team. God, who has the authority to just be the, and is, the Alpha and Omega, to set everything as it is, he says, look, like, I am going to build a team to help me do this, to accomplish my, my works. And he appoints an emissary, one like a son of man. Um, son of man is actually Jesus' favorite way to talk about himself. You see this in the biographies about Jesus, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, when Jesus starts to talk about himself, and usually in a context of judgment, he actually will call himself the son of man. And I think he's pointing back to this picture. It was, a, it, it was words that they knew, but they didn't understand what it meant, necessarily. And Jesus says, this is me. I'm the one that's appointed. As we look at this throne room in the midst of these visions, um, it just leads me to ask the question, are we ready to meet the Most High? Are we ready to meet the Most High God face to face? In, in, in these visions, we're looking at global, um, global things that are, that are going on, political upheaval. But personally, the destination of the fourth beast to stand before the throne in judgment is the same destination that we all share. Are we ready to stand before a pure and holy and righteous judge? And what defense do we have? Notice, too, that as a result of all of this upheaval, the saints are wickedly oppressed at times. If we want to hang on the promises of God, then understand that God promises that following him is not going to be easy and that you're not always going to get along with the government. In fact, there will be times where you are the enemy of the government because you stand up for God's kingdom. The saints, wickedly oppressed at times, but we are ultimately entrusted with the kingdom. Three times in the interpretation, the encouragement that the angel gives to Daniel is the saints are going to prevail. Not because they've got their act together, but because they've put their faith in the one to whom God, most high, is entrusting the dominion of the earth. Because they trust in the one who is the son of man. And so as we ask the question, are we ready to meet the Most High God face-to-face, -face, I ask, have you, do you put your faith and trust, do you stand before God pleading Jesus' name? God, I know I've sinned. I know I'm not worthy to be part of your kingdom, but Jesus said that he would take care of it. He said that he would reconcile us. I want to belong to his kingdom. 
and his is the only name that I put forth to be considered. We lament evil's devastation while we live in light of God's assured victory. And look at the conclusion in, in 28, 728. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Our personal experience and our trust that God is in control on a global scale reinforces our devotion to him in our personal lives. There's a zooming in and out. Daniel walked with God through hard times before he ever came to understand what God was going to do on a global scale. And that personal faith, that personal walk, helped him to believe God when he said, hey, I'm going to do this. And as he saw what God's plan for the future was, it increased his strength to follow God. But following God within a corrupt society, he chose to keep these things to himself. Um, we as believers, okay, maybe not we as believers. In, in, the, in the circles, I'll, I'll make it a personal experience. In the circles that I grew up in, um, we got pretty excited about prophecy. And we really liked to spend a lot of time nailing down, like, is this Babylon? Is that Rome? Like, and we wanted to put it all on a chart. And I understand that, that, that excitement. Um, and yet, as we would go out and speak to the world, we would start to use those things to communicate why they ought to be on board with Jesus. We, we would start with the scary stuff to try and say, hey, like, judgment is coming. Like, you really got to get ready. And I understand, and that's true. I'm not saying that that's not true. But, but notice how Daniel uses these dreams. He keeps them to himself because he's living in Babylon. He's serving Belshazzar. And his ministry to them is not necessarily telling them everything he knows. So as we begin to wrestle with this series, and as we continue to ask God the question, how long, we also need to ask the question, how can this strengthen me so that I have the boldness to um, love well the people that are around me? Uh, one of the authors that I read this week, his name is Brian Chappell, and he put it this way. Personal salvation confirms the larger divine plan, and the divine plan equips us for our own personal challenges. Personal, divine, personal. The zooming in and out. So have we trusted God's personal work in our lives, whether or not we understand what he's doing on a global scale? And will we together with Daniel lament evil's devastation while we live in the light of God's assured victory? Would you pray with me? God, I don't know where we're at. Um... Lord, I'm reminded that it is your word. So God, I, I ask that if there's anything that I've said in, in this, this hour that we've been together um, that has been just my own opinion, then Lord, I pray that that would be quickly forgotten. But the Lord, of the things that are, are your word and guided by your spirit, God, I pray that those things would be embedded in our hearts in this time.
And Lord, as we look at a difficult passage that seems literally pie in the sky or fire in the sky, I guess, and we begin to ask the question, how, how do we live with this? I pray that your spirit would guide us in our next steps. Lord, if the, if the prospect of standing before your throne, you, pure and holy and righteous, burning fire, proceeding from your throne, is terrifying to us, God, I pray that you would help us to hide ourselves in your son. That we would turn to him and say, you're the only hope I have. And Jesus, if we already have put our faith in you, God, I pray that you'd give us the wisdom to know how to, to enact that which you have commissioned us to do. that you would show us the way to love our neighbors well, that we might invite them to meet you, we might invite them to follow you. Thank you for this time. I thank you for these people. And Lord, I pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We'll take a few minutes and just spend some time reflecting on how God's speaking this morning. Um, we'll let it be quiet for a bit and spend some time in prayer. If you need to write something down, then please do that. If you need to send a message to somebody, I don't know, whatever. This time is, is for that. So we'll set that side, time aside um, and then we'll close together in singing.